Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's Tuesday. We have another great show for you today. There's way too much news, but we're going to start off talking about that New York Times puff piece on SBF and FTX. Mm-hmm. And how it is not helping. It didn't uh-huh. help before and it's not helping now. Then uh, we're going to have a feisty conversation about a TechCrunch story about how Chinese companies who are wanting to expand globally, specifically to America, want to rebrand and how that's offered even ha- included some VCs in China offering passport services to their founders. Yeah, China is dropping the ball on entrepreneurship and I am here for it. We'll take those entrepreneurs, get them some US passports. And then we're going to wrap up with a little We Live in the Future with a really interesting robot in supermarkets. Anyway, it's going to be a great show. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Ravello. Looking to affordably scale your product development with global tech talent in U.S. time zones? Hire vetted remote developers in Latin America with Ravello. Get 20% off for the first three months at ravello.com slash twist. In Brokers, startup insurance program helps startups secure the most important types of insurance at a lower cost and with less hassle. Save up to 20% off of traditional insurance today at embroker.com slash twist. While you're there, get an extra 10% off using offer code twist and open phone. As a startup founder, a lot of mistakes are easy to roll back, but using your personal cell phone number as your company number isn't one of them. Open phone makes it easy to get business phone numbers for you and your team right on top of your existing devices. Visit openphone.com slash twist to get 20% off your first six months. Hey, Molly, it is Tuesday. (laughs) That brief pause caused a complete brownout in my brain. I was like, I I don't know. Is this a test? I'm not sure what the answer is. I have no idea. It feels like we're, we're, it feels like based on the news flow and the level of effort and work we're putting in and the amount of psychological, emotional, our emotional labor as hosts of a news program. You know, remember I was making fun of emotional labor? Yeah. I, I get it now. I get <laughs> it. Emotional labor is real. The emotional real. labor it takes to keep up with the news cycle has <laughs> reached a level that is even breaking this. I know. But, you know, chop busting Brooklyn kid. I This is too much information. Like we're freaking pros. We are. We're we are pros. literally lifelong news junkies lifelong producers journalists all of it and i like cannot remember and also i would just like to point out that as we went as we hit record today no so i don't even know what's going to be happening by the time don't tell me you're seeing this but as we let me hit guess did they pick up today, SBF at an airport somewhere no but oh i was just reading the new york times softball piece about oh, oh my talk about the that. new york times did this interview with sbf that's well, let's basically start there. Just, let's start there what let's why do is everybody what i was so gonna upset? say actually is that russia just fired two missiles into poland what well what, what, what accidentally accidentally two people were killed there are no poland. accidents okay freud there's no accident there are no accidents so like i'm just time stamping oh, that now as just if we all die today <laughs> I'm, I don't mean to laugh. Then the New York Times is going to wish they had nuclear war. <laughs> exactly. But I was just looking at my portfolio like, before I got on air, and oh. everything was up and to the right. And I was like, "Oh, J trading is back to right. par. It's feeling I great." Lo- and now the market's going to crash after three days of up market. Ah, oh, come on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's uh. probably going to be a big sale at the stock store right before the impending doom. 
Jesus, you know, like literally, I just pulled up Yahoo Finance. Stocks pair some gains after cool inflation data amid geopolitical angst. Come on, stop there with was this some. There was some geopolitical angst yesterday, but now there's more. Okay. Now there's more. It's all so anyway. Yeah, that's happening. I just wanted you all to know that we saw it. Um, okay. And then I will drop this. I'm springing this on our. I just want to say it's new guy Brian's first day producing the show for us. Oh, great! Congrats, producing and directing. Brian doing a great job. So I just want to say I'm springing this on him. I did not send this article to anyone in advance. I was literally just alerted to it. So I'm looking through it in real time. But because there's been this like Sam Bigman free, you know, SBF is a big Democratic donor. And that's why he's never going to yes. get investigated and da, 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 and all this like BS, which yeah. is, uh, I'm sorry, patently BS, maybe. Right. Like, <laughs> You're like, wait a second. I just took a red pill. What happened? Molly, are you purpling it? Then I read this New York Times interview with the and guy. And no mention of the donations. And they're just, no, it's just like. That's what I saw. Why yeah. are you so great? Yeah, I think no mention of the donations whatsoever. But like, let him get away with sort of not really explaining anything. It's like a little bit friendly. The, you know, the New York Times was like. Piece it was in the middle piece. of what could be a made off level greater than Theranos, certainly, mm -hmm. level. This, somewhere, this is between a Theranos and a Madoff. And it yeah. feels like it's trending closer to a Madoff in terms of the sheer scale of it. Yes. And of the just fraud extreme shadiness, you know, like extreme. So then there's this, so there's this, and, and I mean, look, this is where like you could find yourself on Twitter being like, you know, his partner donated almost the exact same amount to Republicans. And really, if you look at like who has been the biggest proponent and who stopped this one person from becoming a regulator because they said they were going to regulate crypto, it was Republicans. However, when you see this kind of softball crap in the New York Times, you're like, I think maybe they did just like him because he donated a lot to Democrats. Like, I'm not going to lie. There might be something to that. And it's very irritating to find myself in a position Why? of having to say that. Get your together, Times. Uh, well, I mean, here's the thing. You have to be self-aware of what people believe your biases are and the new york times is very much aware of this yeah. so if they're aware of it then there should be a thoughtful decision hey people expect us to give somebody who's left-leaning a bit of a free pass we should be um cognizant of that now that doesn't mean we have to be extra harsh either but you and i have been in on these discussions if somebody at i don't know public radio Mm -hmm. um committed a fraud public radio would be sure i'm certain to double down on the reporting mm -hmm. as a show of even handedness this is a classic reporting technique hey if somebody yep. in our circle jason blair at the new york times you know was doing just making up stories they did a whole investigation they covered their mistake not covered up covered it covered. in detail yeah and they said hey here's our mia copa here's our can i pronounce that correct and here's our taking ownership of it. So you just, I don't know who wrote the piece, but, you know, here we are, like, they'll destroy the away founder over, you know, right. as we talked about many times. Right. Over some, some, you know, push some chippy, get your, get some chippy. Yeah, I was like trying to lay it on, you chippiness. know, I was going to say pushy, but what I really mean is tweets pushing people to work or slack messages pushing people to work harder. Yeah. Like a tough exterior work ethic and then they'll suggest to this guy this is what the times the post wrote about it or quoted somebody as saying it reads as if the times had conducted an interview with bernie madoff after his ponzi scheme collapsed and ultimately suggested he just made some bad investments yeah like it's weirdly and 
And having come on the heels of like, you know, the Sequoia kind of in-house journalism effort where they wrote that 45,000 word piece about him that was just like so smoochy and he's going to be a future trillionaire. He's amazing. And then they kind of like just disappeared it. Like you've got this sort of who is even in charge here? Who's even asking skeptical questions? Question floating in the air. And then you discover like, well, it's not the New York Times. They're not asking. And it's it just is a little bit, you know what? Like it's not looking good for anybody right here. This is the challenge with being a journalist in today's environment. Being objective and fair just requires a a lot of self-awareness thoughtfulness and i understand that you also want to give color in a in a in a longer piece so when you're writing a longer piece which i believe this falls into i'm not sure how many words it was it's a long it's a long, a long piece. Read. you might uh-huh. want to describe like the new yorker does you know the clothes the person is wearing set the the scene hey here's the penthouse here's the vibe here's you know they're in front of wh- whatever is unique about it to bring the reader into it now when you do those things it does create the air of, um, you know, it's a, a profile, uh, which was a magazine device. A profile is sometimes softer uh, in terms of like setting the stage or whatever, but then hopefully it has some substance in it. And so that is the dichotomy in the writing style for those of you wondering. Okay, yeah, they're going to talk about the shoes the person walked in with. They're wearing, you know, the beat up shoes, the leather's falling off. They're cracked. They're, they're not tied properly. But the yeah. person's a billionaire. Oh, the juxtaposition here. Okay, we set the stage. Michael Lewis, uh, you know, pick a great business writer. Walter Isaacson. They might set the stage this way. And that's okay. Yeah. But it must be on a foundation of very strong, objective journalism. This piece wasn't, you know. I think it's anyway. like, that's okay when yeah. it is the, you know, like the the outlet that I will let off the hook a little bit is Fortune who has come under fire all week long for running that cover story where they called him the next Warren Buffett. And, you know, Fortune, of course, put Elizabeth Holmes on the cover. And yeah. so people are like, you don't know what you're doing. Now, I think that is totally silly because no matter what, how these stories turned out, these are noteworthy, right, newsworthy figures. If the whole world is talking about SBF, yeah, you, you put them on the, on the cover, cover of your magazine. Yeah, That's not an uncommon thing. If the guy appears to be on the run, there are likely multiple lawsuits and multiple legal investigations. Like we've confirmed, I think, that the SEC and the DOJ were investigating him even before the collapse of FTX. So you have like actual legal questions swirling about the, ha- the behavior. That is not the time to do a smoochy, let's get inside his head yes. piece where it's just like, well, maybe he just like, um, got distracted as opposed to reportedly built a backdoor into his own system so he could move around billions of dollars of customer money and then without you have anybody working for him even noticing yeah there, there's like this is actual apparent fraud right layered with substance abuse layered with stolen funds you know and you know hacks and political donations i mean there's so many layers of insanity here that you know yeah i, I mean, guess th- it just let, shows you you can frame people, you know, however you want as a writer. Let me like, this is amazing. FTX and Alameda were closely linked. I'm reading for the New York Times. Alameda traded heavily on the FTX platform, meaning it sometimes benefited when FTX's other customers lost money, a dynamic that critics called a conflict of interest. The critics call it a conflict of interest or it 
is a conflict of interest. Yeah, I don't sure think you need a critic to come in there. I think you could just say that is a conflict of interest according to any standard objective measure. And also, and also using your customers' deposits to prop up your other company is, in fact, under some legal definitions, fraud. That's fraud, not like yeah. a I mean, I don't critic say situation. Like, it's just like, what? It, d- uh, speechless. Yeah. Speechless. All right. Well, there it is, folks. Uh, so, let's see what the good New times. York Times does a follow-up. One fact about startups, finding engineers is time-consuming and expensive. It's a pain in the neck. It's one of the hardest things you'll do as a founder. Well, if you're looking for qualified international developers without the crazy time differences, or you just want to scale without sacrificing on quality, Ravello is the answer. They are a talent platform that matches you with vetted full-time remote developers in Latin America, where I have my engineers. They work in US time zones, which means your engineers can collaborate in real time. You can have them right in Slack. You can talk all day long. Plus, it's much more cost effective than hiring in the USA. You're going to get matched and vetted with candidates in just three days. And Ravello handles all the annoying stuff, payroll, taxes, benefits, all that legal stuff, all of those regulations. They abstract that away and they let you hire internationally without the headache. Ravello's engineers are full time and embedded in your team, just like your normal employees. They're proficient in all the important stuff. AWS, Rust, Ruby, React, Python, Node.js, and more. Ravello's customers include, oh my lord, look at this list. GitHub, Foursquare, Carta, Indiegogo, and Kickstarter. Go to ravello.com slash twist and mention twist to get 20% off your first three months. Plus, they offer a 100% risk-free 14-day trial period. If you're not satisfied, you pay nothing. So go ahead and go to revelo.com slash twist and mention twist to get that 20% off. You know, I've been watching um, this bird corporation, which a lot of my friends were investors in collapse. And uh, it's really sad to watch. I just really I'm so sorry. Not the one that you might be thinking of people. I just because bird, he means the scooters. Oh, yeah. No, that other company's doing great. I know. Bird I just Global am, just wanted to. is the scooter company. Yes. <laughs> we're not talking about the company with a bird logo. No. Bird shares are down, Molly, 97%. Um, yeah. Market cap is 73.6 million. Oh, dear Trading God. That's at, an actual flat line. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, this is, this is dot com era, like, you know, game over. I shouldn't laugh, but it's just so startling. I'm sorry. The chart came up. And it just is, yeah, a flatline. You know, this bird went public via SPAC, and they had raised, I think, billions of dollars, and now they're worth seventy million. Um, Oof! I think wow. the issue here is the cost of these scooters and the maintenance of them and the utilization of them. The unit economics just never worked. And so we suspended disbelief in unit economics and we thought everything was an Uber. I remember when this came out, the people who were investors in it were kind of coming at me a bit saying Bird was going to disrupt Uber and they were giving me all kinds of statistics like the average Uber ride is under a mile, you know, Lyft ride is under a mile. You can do that for four bucks on a bird. You know, Uber and Lyft are charging 12. Why wouldn't people take this? This is going to steal the micro mobility market was going to kill Uber and Lyft. And I thought about it and I was like, I, I don't want to ride a scooter though. 
like I'm an <laughs> adult. <laughs> and I don't want to touch the dirty handlebars or die. I don't want it's, to break my elbow. I'm not, if I was 26 and I was riding my Vespa around New York, sure. But not now as a father of three kids. I don't want to wind up in the hospital. I'm not going to wear a helmet. Look like a dork and wear a dirty helmet. I'm not going to carry a helmet. I just, just with too many frictions. And, you know, I, I kind of held to my belief that this was not going to be like some breakout business. But, uh, you know, a lot of people who are very smart thought this was going to make it. And um, I think the reason I heard was they were going to make their own hardware that would resolve the issues and future versions of the hardware would be so strong that they didn't have the maintenance issues. And um, yeah, but it it's just interesting. Never yeah. So there, this has precipitated this conversation by a piece in uh, Bloomberg today, noting that the electric scooter apocalypse may indeed be on us, be on us, upon us. Um, upon Bird us. replaced its chief executive and chief financial officer in September. And then Monday actually warned uh, that it might not make it that it needed to restate its financial accounts for the past two and a half years due to improperly recognized revenue. Uh oh, Yep. So that's an issue. And then there's this kind of ongoing question, you know, Lime, its main competitor raised more than $500 million last November, but has also uh, seen a massive drop in value. And like, it's really interesting because on some, in some ways, this is a growth at all costs story, right? Uber did not have good, you unit economics for a really long yeah. time, but I had really strong growth. And so I could totally imagine that argument, like, well, if we get a critical mass of people use it, right, this has been the playbook, this totally works, and people will want yep. to do this. And all of those things are true about last mile mobility. And everything you just said is also true. It's like, every time I remember feeling this way about the Segway, the same smart people got so excited about the Segway, but yes. modality matters. And there are modalities that people are used to yeah. and comfortable with and that are very common. And those modalities include bikes, yep. walking, and cars. Yep. And this was none of that. And it was like, you have to be... Buses uh, and subways, young, I'll throw in there. Right. Buses and subways. Occasional yes, thank ferry. You. Some public transportation, some, the occasional yeah, ferry, something like that. Yeah. This is like, you have to be like willing to ride this embrace your inner nine-year-old i'm not saying it wasn't fun sometimes sure it'd be a lot of fun but as but a way to get for to everybody work, not, yeah, for, not everybody. for everybody it's almost like asking people to put glasses on their face like you are asking them to do something that's totally outside what they do and p.s you pissed off every city and every cyclist and every pedestrian in the interim yeah. it does feel like you know the warning signs were there i i like the idea of people giving it a shot and i do think this would be perfect. I, I always thought the campus version of this. So you've got, you know, whatever, a college campus, a medical campus, you know, whatever, having some of these laying around that anybody can pick up, take from point A to point B, but they don't work when you leave the campus. So you can't steal them. Google threw a bunch of Google bikes everywhere on the campus. You could just pick them up, drop them off, didn't matter. Yeah, um, and great. I think city bikes has been a huge success in New York. Um, people are out absolutely over the moon with that. I just think these things, you know, the execution really matters. And then are they a scalable business like Uber or DoorDash? You know, that is a big question. And once you start segmenting and saying, okay, well, it's only for cities where it's between 50 and 90 degrees. Most of the time, it's only for cities where it doesn't rain. Yeah, it's only for cities that 
have sidewalks. It's only for cities where you have X, you know, type of density. Like it obviously doesn't work in the suburbs. You're not taking this, you know, down to Aunt May's farm seven miles down the road, but you know, you may take it seven blocks or 17 blocks, sure. So I know people in LA and Santa Monica who love this. It's like, a, it's a Santa yeah. Monica product, but it may not be like, you know, a uh, Manhattan product. You know, it's also only for cities that allow it. I think Paris is talking about banning too. it. There were some, didn't Austin ban them? I think they were just like, Did a I lot of them up? were in the bottom of the lake because well, people yeah, were just we like, just light them on fire constantly. We're just going to throw these in a dumpster and then, yeah. So anyway, I, uh, I, I applaud everybody who tried. Um, I think you should give it a shot. There's going to be tons of lessons here for founders. I think the number one lesson is you can't look at other businesses and say, just because they're figuring it out and growing, I'm going to figure it out and grow. You have to think from first principles. These scooters cost whatever they cost, $500. They, they break. You know, the maintenance is going to be $500 a year. You make $4 per ride. You're doing 20 rides a day for 80 or 15 rides a day. You just have to do the math. You have to think from first principles. And, and you know, you it seems like, like people suspend the belief people just want. a wee bit too much here. Yes, totally. And I apologize for interrupting. Do people no, no, want to do this is the other question. Right? It's like, yeah, well, that's another first principles, which like is the, the first the principle. One I was do at, people yeah. want to ride a scooter like where you started? Just you fundamentally. Can change, but you can change consumer behavior. Like taking yep. an Uber X, if you lived in the boroughs, you know, you didn't take cabs because there were no cabs in Brooklyn or Queens. I forgot about Staten Island. You took what we call back in the day a gypsy cab. I don't know if it's politically correct to say that anymore, but you took an illegal cab. Right. Dollar cabs, as Jay Z would say, dollar cabs, shifty cabs. It's like yeah. the in the yeah. famous lyric. That's what people took. A dollar cab was you paid a dollar to go a couple blocks, but they might pick some other people up on the route, right? And you just you give a dollar or two. These things were like cash based, little the no insurance kind of situation. But they did change the behavior of getting people to use an app to call a car. Yeah, they didn't have to convince people to take cars. Exactly. It's not a fundamental change. It's just a like a slightly different way to Evolution. do the same thing you really did, which was be in a car. It's evolutionary. It's evolutionary. Like how you ordered it. You still used your phone. You just didn't talk. And you I think there's the something on the phone as of calling. Exactly. I think there's still something very strong and powerful about micro mobility. No question, especially as a climate concern and a, a traffic density. But it's yeah. but I I would predict that the e areas win. where it's going to work are e-bikes. E-bikes like, win. I use a freaking modality e that people already awesome. use. They ride bikes. And an e-bike. And there's infrastructure makes, for it. Yes. And here's the thing. The e-bike isn't a change in behavior, but it makes the experience 10 times better because you don't have to exhaust yourself to go to dinner. If you eat a big meal and you got a bunch of gnocchi in your belly, I'm not saying that I'm pounding the gnocchi, but yeah, I'm like, oh my God, I got a gnocchi belly here. I mean, chicken parm, I'm an animal. I'm savaging this like Italian meal. And you're like, and I got to ride my bike. Oh my God. I'm going to be sweating and exhausted. I'm going to just pull over to the side of the road and heave. You're on an electrical bike. It's like all of a sudden your bike that you got a little exercise on the way there turns into a Vespa. Maybe you use 20% of your energy, 80% of the battery, whatever your mix is. You can just pound these uphills, you know, and you don't have to worry about like breaking a sweat. So anyway, I think electric bikes win the day. It's my agree. Opinion. All right. Hard agree. Listen, I have been dealing with business insurance for three decades and switching providers. Always a nightmare. It's too expensive. It takes so much time. Often, you don't even get better coverage, but now you can make switching radically simple 
with Embroker. Embroker is the radically simple destination for industry-tailored commercial insurance. Embroker's single application helps startups get four quotes for four lines of coverage in 15 minutes. They connect you with one of their expert brokers for unmatched service. It's unrivaled in the industry. Uh, and it goes way beyond your policy. And listen, Embroker is such an amazing product that we use it here. I kid you not. We use it at launch. Why? It's just so easy. It's modern. It's affordable. And we don't want to be caught without insurance for critical functions in our company. We want to protect our team. We want to protect our assets. And we just like to conduct business correct. And you can start doing business properly with the proper insurance. So you can protect your team, your assets, your family, all that stuff by just using the promo code twist to get 10% off in broker.com slash twist. That's E M B R O K E R.com slash twist. Chef's kiss. I give them my highest rating. We love in broker in broker.com slash twist. Interesting tech crunch article from earlier this week that I just wanted to highlight uh, because mm. I thought, <laughs> I think rightly that you would have some thoughts about this. Okay. Um, this me. piece was about the increasing number of Chinese startups asking journalists to call them American, hmm. basically, that there is this kind of ongoing tension now with Chinese startups wanting to go global, but fearing that uh, being seen as or referred to as Chinese startups will have a chilling effect on their ability to raise money. Yeah, as it should. So <laughs> sorry. That you want to be called that you an American were born company. where you were born and you live there and you want to start a new company and you want to like incorporate in the United States. I mean, I would love to be considered a Japanese podcast or pop star, but I'm not. Anything That's because you're not Japanese. Cooler, I'm saying I'm, if you started a company in China yeah. and then you were like, I am trying to expand to the US. Maybe I even want to incorporate in the US. Maybe sure, I'm a Chinese immigrant, but my company first started in China. Then isn't it fair for because of the reaction you just had, wouldn't it be fair for them to be like, we're an American company? Well, okay, let's or figure want- out why oh. they want. Okay, look, again, back to first principles. Why don't they want to be called a Chinese company? Because it's keeping them from getting funding. Why is it keeping them from funding? Because the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, decided that they would take DD off of the public exchange here and then move it to Hong Kong, and then they would take them out of the app store, and if they didn't give them all their data, I think is the story, and let them do data audits, aka the CCP gets all your data and gets to track everybody. So the reason investors don't want to invest in Chinese companies, and Chinese companies subsequently don't want to be called Chinese companies, is because your outcome, the IPO, is at risk. Your exit is at risk. In fact, the fundamental business is at risk. I said this Years ago, when people were like, are you buying Alibaba stock? And I said on CNBC, I would never buy any company in China. I would never risk my capital that way when I have options to invest in American companies where we have the rule of law. We have accounting firms. Hey, is it perfect? Does an Enron happen? Does an you know, FTX happen? Of course, all these things happen. Madoff, they were in the Bahamas. But when I'm those, you know, that's true, actually, <laughs> there's a red flag. But when these things do happen, Molly, yep. there are outrageous, you know, not- aberrations that lead to huge investigations and people going to jail in china they just said no education startup so every vc who invested in an education startup lost all their money instantly like yeah imagine you took my three biggest winners in my career and then i don't know trump or obama or biden just waved a wand and was like you know what those can't be winners anymore you're you know 
1000 or 2000x your 200x are now 10x's i'd be like okay i quit i don't want to be a vc anymore if you're going to take my big wins it's like i win some huge hand at poker i took a huge risk on that hand and then as i'm sweeping the chip somebody comes in and goes oh yeah you know what set of aces is now the worst you know hand it's the least value give your chips to the dealer the dealer gets the chips <laughs> the casino gets the chips like, what why am i playing in a rigged game that's what's happening here people don't want to play in a rigged game well so the end is there ever a scenario though where like i think what these companies some of them are set, like for example binance started in china yep now has no headquarters officially speaking now that binance might not be a great example let's think about let's use they actually in the piece use the example of what did we decide we call it Shein, the the clothing startup yeah s-h-e-i-n Shein. yeah um which was used to bill itself as being founded in LA when in reality it started out in Nanjing and Guangzhou as a typical Chinese e-commerce exporter leveraging the country's robust supply chains. But yeah. now it has it's planning to open warehouses in North America, it's moved most of its assets to Singapore and is trying to effectively have its cake and eat it too with respect to branding. Mm -hmm. But it's not a company that's going to go public in China. It's not a company that's like using Chinese infrastructure. So, but it sounds like what you're saying is exactly the reason why any company would be asking TechCrunch to please not say that they ever had any Chinese origins at all. Because it sounds like you're saying if they ever had any Chinese origins at all, that company's dead to you. Um, I suppose if they had no Chinese ownership, no Chinese headquarters, the CCP didn't have the ability to shut them down, and they had sold the assets into a Delaware C corporation with a board of directors in America, and the company could not be repossessed or taken control over by the CCP or the government there, I, I guess I'd take a look at it, sure. I don't know if they can get there. I guess that's the question is like, if this person is a Chinese citizen, can a Chinese citizen take that asset, buy out all the if they have, I'm assuming they have Chinese investors have Chinese employees, you know, have file chinese taxes whatever those are incorporation documents if they could sell the asset and then build a shell here sure which is what i think ByteDance's only possibility of survival is mm -hmm. could be it's like yes. to basically do all that. have the chinese divest so if there was a full divestiture or like it was owned under 10 percent by chinese you know uh funds and the board was 100 percent non-chinese and it was 100 percent accounting revenue everything went through america aws everything sure i could look at it sky shu the founder and ceo of Xi'an, is reportedly seeking singaporean citizenship several entrepreneurs uh, told TechCrunch that the top vc firms in china now provide passport shopping as part of their post investment service for founders targeting overseas markets right we can help you with uh your uh content marketing we have a recruiting arm and we have passport washing <laughs> services here are not something we have to do. Tell you what, Which that's not part of VC like? Sunday school. I mean, the second <laughs> you're trying to get a passport, that's a bit of a red flag. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not a red flag if you're trying to like, I'm sorry, we should we should support I entrepreneurs support no matter yes. where they come from. Okay. And if you right. are able to start a company and then you want to take that company global and not have it shut down by the CCP, then I am not going to say to you, sorry, you're dead to me because of where you were born. No, no, no. I, it's not dead to me, but I'm we just saying support like, entrepreneurs. If you're a VC firm. Is providing passports as a service. <laughs> That's what you have to do in China if you want to, if you want to support a an entrepreneur. Yes. <laughs> fleeing as a service. 
fleeing as a service so that an entrepreneur can have a business yeah. like probably yeah. just ask them to do a do a bridge round <laughs> oh my i'll give God. you guys a really sweetheart deal 10 percent of the company for ten thousand dollars and seven passports <laughs> to if i'm the- a vc and I know that in China and I know or have a China operation and I know that the only way my entrepreneur is ever going to succeed is to get the hell out of China. That's going to be part of yeah. my services because I want my money. I'd like to congratulate SBF on uh, his new roommate and his new passport. I think Snowden and SBF are going to get along great. <laughs> in China. You're going to enjoy the pierogies, <laughs> Russia's. Moscow is just, absolutely fantastic this time of year. Negative just, 20 degrees, cloudy, with six hours of kind of sunlight a day. Enjoy your yeah. time. All they ask is your soul. I mean, I just keep yeah, listen, thinking be some about great critics. critics some say. ice-cold vodka, some great chess games, and uh, Putin will meet with you now. I mean, literally, I, I would not be surprised if, if SBF winds up. I mean, I can't believe this guy did not have a plan given how this was going Mm -hmm. to get out of Dodge. Oh, well, they think he's already out. Remember they were tracking his jet. That jet tracker service was like, it took Mm. off and went to Argentina. And then he would not tell the times where he was. Where is he? Where in the world is SBF? We should just do the internet. Thanks. He's in Argentina, but yes, I would be very, Argentina is going to give him up immediately. Argentina and the U S are that we got tons of stuff we can trade. He's he's they'll they'll, they'll flip him immediately. Argentina. Hold on, I'm looking. On I think yeah, Argentina would give him up. I think if he really n- doesn't want to get given up, it's Hong Kong, which I think is where his partner was at some point. We I think Hong have- Kong's a good location. Russia's the, the that's the best location. His jet is in Argentina. We do have his an extradition jet. treaty with uh, with Argentina, however. So yeah, we do have one. We do. Maybe Argentina's like the layover. I could see Argentina's got like an Indiana Jones kind of quality. You land the plane, you you put on the um tarmac, you know, like the 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 luggage handler outfit, and you just come out of the back of the private jet carrying the bags, but you look like a baggage handler. Then you drive and then you get in a prop plane, you get the prop plane to Colombia. Columbia, you get on a boat, the boat takes you, you know, to some island, and then, then you take another plane from there. And you're being, you wind up in Hong Kong. I mean, and then you just leave your jet. Absolutely. That's a great call. Yeah. Who cares, man? It's a romancing the stone got, situation. How many bitcoins does that guy have memorized in his head? What like, did I see that there was a funny, uh, Vinny Lingham from the crypto Roundtable. I think tweeted, he retweeted himself from 2021 where he was like, I'm just saying that when these exchanges give an accounting of all the Bitcoin, they seem to be holding as collateral. It adds up to more than 21 million. Just, just throwing that out. There. <laughs> I was like, my God this whole situation it's just it never it never stops yeah it's crazy let's see what would i put the odds that he gets out of dodge he's clever the kid's clever the plane's in argentina i think he sent his lookalike i think he's got a lookalike with a wig he sent a lookalike to argentina who is now walking around argentina and then i think he got on a you know like a scorpion like one of those high speed boats like a james bond kind of little inflatable naval craft got out to sea and it gave some north korean shipping lanes and i think he's he's with the north korean shipping lanes right now give them a couple of bitcoin a hundred i think probably a hundred bitcoin gets the job done two million something like that mm-hmm. give him a hundred bitcoin and on a on a a disc on a on a thumb drive 
kids in Hong Kong right now eating Peking duck, shaved his head, dyed it, wearing a wig. Yesterday you were like, help him, the parents. Now you, well, now you, get, kill now you get what I was saying, which is, yeah. I'm not falling for this. I this is not that, a cry that, for that help. That tweet storm was disturbing. I'm sorry, man. I, and the kid then admitted, I guess, we found out he admitted he was on speed. Like, you start putting this stuff together, I could see the kid killing himself. And uh, listen, I no matter what crimes he committed, I do have, I mean, I don't want to, I mean, I understand some people consider, like, honorable suicide in some societies, you know, <laughs> okay. like, seppuku okay. kind of situation. Saying, like you did you, say you something similar about, people's lives. about Do Kwan, because he also had some disturbing sets of tweets, and he apparently yes. has just been maybe goofing off in Singapore and has now run somewhere else. He's out. These guys were like the I Legion of Dorks. I just looked it up because I was like, where's he? You know, know the really Legion of Doom? These guys are like the <laughs> Legion of Dorks. <laughs> Round these guys up and put them in a maximum security prison. And then I want to watch a reality show as they try to escape from it and like just get tased. <laughs> the Legion of Dorks. <laughs> Do Kwan, <laughs> SBF. Who else is in the Legion of Dorks? Elizabeth Holmes. She's totally Legion of Dorks. Oh my God, she so is. So you got not. three of them in a. She's totally a dork. Did you see that scene with her, with her dancing? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that was television, but I know, but you know that that's accurate. <laughs> it's like Legion of Dorks. Legion her. of Dorks, the Lady Queen. She would definitely oh be like, Lord. you know, she's like the storm of that. Queen X-Men. of the Dorks. Yeah. Legion of Dorks. Who else is a Legion? Snowden kind of fits into the Legion of Dorks. He's kind of like, uh, I put him in the Legion of Dorks. They're mm-hmm. all on the limb. Yeah. Legion of Dorks. I mean, an SBF currently doesn't necessarily have to worry about being in a non at this moment in a non-extradition country because he has not formally been accused of anything (laughs) yeah i mean yet this is one of those things where like formally accusing him is going to take so much so long yeah i mean so long the shell game here seems to be i mean listen allegedly i'm gonna put allegedly in front of everything we've said right now because Mm -hmm. half of this stuff is things he said he did I mean, honestly, like, honestly, Matt Levine. Also, the fact back to the New York Times, the fact that Matt Levine did an interview with this guy in which he literally was like, you have just described your own business to me as a Ponzi scheme. And Sam Bankman fried was like, yeah, that's fair. And Matt Levine never let up on him once with that as your template. How? Is it possible for the New York Times to have done an interview with this guy where they were like, well, perhaps his most ambitious effort was to try to rewrite crypto regulations? Like, no, I think his ambitious effort, most ambitious effort allegedly was to steal $8 billion. Mm. Like, what the hell? Anyway, I'm sorry. Let's move on. I hate it when I see this stuff. Chinese uh, startup story. I have, I do have sympathy for the, for the founders. And this is China's great misstep. They tried to emulate capitalism and then they learn the hard lesson that capitalism creates uh celebrities and stars and people who have influence and And because they created things in the world and then politicians then don't get to lord it over those people they have to you know debate it out and build a society with them and thus capitalism and democracy is messy it's messy af Mm mm-hmm but and it's kind of better butt. than living in a dictatorship. Well, stop. It's the worst system I've ever seen, except for all the rest. Listen, lots of founders are loosey-goosey with their personal phone numbers, and that causes tons of downstream problems. 
You start putting your personal phone number in company documents, you start using it for sales calls, and that makes things messy. You won't know who's calling. Is it a sales prospect? Or is it someone from your kid's school? You don't want to get random calls. Open phone helps you create a business phone number for you and your team in minutes. It's very simple. You download the smartphone app, you download the desktop app, whichever one's your jam, or both if you're like me, just install the app, you get a number, you're done. No need to carry two phones anymore. And by the way, we use this at our company because we wanted to have customer support phone numbers. We wanted our sales team to have numbers. And open phone is really good at filtering out all the spam and the scams. And you can do all kinds of interesting routing things. If you got an existing phone number, they'll port it over. No problem. It's their pleasure to do that. Open phone, they say it's affordable. I say it's too cheap. Based on the product I'm getting, I would pay triple. But Hey, listen, it's their business. They can charge what they want. They decided to start at 10 bucks a month. Twist listeners on top of that, since open phone, love startups, are going to get an extra 20% off any plan for the first six months. But you have to sign up at my URL, openphone.com slash twist. And if you've got existing numbers, again, just port them over and start saving money. O-P-E-N-P-H-O-N-E.com slash twist today. Openphone.com slash twist today. Great job. It's a killer product. Exactly. Exactly. They did. They tried to have it both ways and eventually had to kill off the competition to the government itself, right? To the party. And so, yes. But I, again, can we do something that makes me feel better? Sympathy for the founders. Yeah. I want to do something that makes me feel better. That's world positive. You know what's world positive? We live in the future. So fun. It's just more fun. It's more joyful. Give me some. It's like our little chaser. It's like our little chaser every day. Yeah, a little. Um, and what says that, we live give in the you future? sparkling water after you have that dark, rich espresso. You know, like some of those fancy shops, yes. and they give you that really nice sparkling water. So you drink that espresso, leaves a little bit of the grit, but you like it on your teeth. But you have the sparkling water chaser with a little lemon in it. Delicious. Man, I read about that. I'm not trying to bring us down, but just like prayers up to Istanbul, one of my favorite cities that I've ever been. I oh, just been could not believe how at home. And happy, I felt in Istanbul of all places, everybody was so warm and like mm-hmm. kind of sly, like everybody, like Turkish people are just funny and that coffee is so good and the food is so incredible. And I just, I heard about that bombing and I was just devastated. Oh. I was just devastated. Um, but anyway, just like I got us off the world never, positive. And please, just I just wanted to shout out Istanbul and how much I love it. And I want to have my, I'm still planning to have my 50th birthday party at the Basilica oh. Cistern. Can't wait. Oh my God. Do you know about this Basilica Cistern? I don't. I hope I get an invite to the 50th. Oh, yeah. You're coming. It was like lost for centuries. It was literally lost. It used to be the water supply for the whole city and it was lost. Uh, And then this like in the 70s, this like Danish explorer got lost underground and then discovered it. And it's this underground like water cavern and they turned it into um, an event. It's the coolest place I've ever been. I'll send pictures later. Okay. Back to robots. Let's talk about robots. We live in the future. We need a stinger for this. Can somebody make us a stinger? Like a little graphic? Thanks. Yeah. Some like sci-fi sounds. Okay. So like robots in stores is incre- is becoming increasingly common. Like we used to have this store Decathlon, which is a French, like the French Ikea. Oh. It sadly closed. It was an Emeryville. Manifique. It was so awesome. Like Très incroyable. It was a big, huge sporting superstar. And they had a, like a robot that would go up and down the, and you could boop, 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 look up skews or whatever. And I had never oh, seen neat. that. I was like, this is amazing. But now the robots are actually getting like, pretty real and pretty freaking useful. Like they don't just roll around and look goofy and you kind of want to kick them. There's right. uh, this company called Simbe, uh-huh. I think, S-M-S-I-M-B-E, yes. Robotics, I've providing retailers a solution for what Forbes calls a trillion dollar problem. That really? being trillion dollars. inventory management. 
Sure it so is. They, yeah. yeah. So they just announced a new version of their robot, the Tally. Get it? Because inventory. Look at that. It 3. looks 0. like a, a stand-up mop, but good looking. Very I mean, it actually looks freaking awesome. Yeah. Schvelt. Looks like Apple made it. Yeah. And, and this, Simbi. the Tally is like, Simbi. let's go. And it's got all these cameras on it. You can see it's festooned with cameras and it just rolls yeah. up and down the aisle unobtrusively looking super cool. Ooh, look at the Counting. heat map there. Yeah. And so it can do its 3D cameras and RFID and it can analyze and record store inventory. So it can figure out like shelving. It can figure out if things are misplaced and mis... <gasps> there it is in Decathlon. Oh my God. There it is. Yeah. That's Decathlon. Decathlon. Oh, oh, nice. I miss that store so much. It was like super cheap sporting goods. Wow. Look at it's this. really it's cool. You know what this is really? The computer vision is the key piece. If you're not watching this, youtube.com slash this weekend or Spotify has uh, the video version of this weekend startups. There's also a video version on Apple. You just have to type in this weekend startups video. Yeah, it's really cool. It's like a thin little stick with cameras on the side. Cameras obviously have gotten incredible because of smartphones. Robotics has gotten better because of batteries, Roomba. Self-driving cars, yada, yada. Navigation of space has gotten better because of the self-driving car revolution. Computer visualization has gotten better because of Google do Google search, trying to do image search. All of this stuff, the libraries of understanding, uh, th this is like standing on the shoulders of four or five different technology verticals. And yeah, why would you send a human to go up and down shelves to take notes? This thing can just walk around and just tell you what's going on in your facility. Yeah. Um, and it can do three inventory checks per day with 99% accuracy. What's the accuracy of a teenager who just took bang to 10 milligram indica edible? I don't think it's 99%. So Brian, uh, producer Brian reports 65%. I don't know if that's from personal experience, but he came up with that number real quick. <laughs> Sixty-five <laughs> no, percent. According that, to yeah. the, I'm just joking. According to the tally website, the in, the accuracy of a human <laughs> is sixty-five percent versus the robots ninety-nine percent. Twelve cameras on this uh, bad boy. Thirty thousand products per hour scanned. Um, it can also read the price tags and everything. I mean, you that's amazing. So it can be like, oh, you have the wrong price, so none of that. Like, oh, I'm sure. sorry, it says ninety-nine cents right on the can. That lady in the grocery store. Yeah. Always one I mean, this robot can handle eighty thousand SKUs. That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Should be, yeah, makes sense. Um, the the thing it doesn't do is reshelf uh, stuff in the retail location. Right. Um, that would be like the next step of this is that they put an arm on it, and we're out of Campbell's soup. Uh, we got no more chicken soup here. Go to the back, get five cans, and put them on the shelf. So there should be really two robots: one that scans, and one that restocks. Or, you know, they should have. I had seen this other robot. Um, and I put it in the chat, by the way, uh, before, uh, so maybe we just get a screenshot of it, of a robot. Now, when you're looking at uh, a glass, you know, a, a frozen, in, you know, um, retail display, you know, we have ice cream or, you know, soda pop. Uh, there's a robot that tracks, you know, where the doors open, the glass doors where you reach in and grab your, your Starbucks uh, latte glass bottle with 8,000 calories in it. Now, imagine those vanilla lattes are running low. This the robot could run to the back, grab gra grab three or four, and restock the shelf. So if you were to build it custom like that, you could actually have it on a track. Which, when you can control a robot's movement, you know, uh, in space, the free robots are very challenging. Like the one Tesla's building or Boston Dynamics. Those freestanding robots, they have a right. mission of just operating in the world. Very hard to do. 
These other ones that zip around on a track, very easy to do because you've constrained like the Cafe X robot that we invested in as a firm that you can see at SFO in Terminal 2 and that's doing like a million dollars a year between two of these robots. Yeah. Uh, and they can just, when you constrain the mission, uh, the mission gets completed. And this is an example of like a very constrained mission. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what we're seeing now. When general AI comes out, Molly, you're going to start seeing these general purpose robots. And it's like, okay, we programmed them to, to do the SKUs. Now we're going to program to replace stuff. Now we're going to program to carry, to carry groceries to your car. And so that's what you'll see over the next 20 years is when that same robot can carry your groceries to the car. Now it's, we, we've kind of crossed over to the, now to the real, crazy. Yeah. the real tipping point is like, Hey robot. And then if it can do a mission that it has previously not been asked to, Hey robot, we just had a car accident outside. Can you go lift the car and get it out of the front of the, you know, crash into the front of the store? Can you just go four robots, go move that out of the way uh, and help get the two people out of the backseat who are stuck in there, rip the door off. That's when we'll be, that's probably not our lifetime. Yeah. When it can just be talking about the iRobot movie. Yeah. All right, everybody. That's a show for today. We'll see you all tomorrow on this week in startups Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Big week. Next unicorn Can't day. Be. Oh yeah. Next unicorn. Yeah. Wrapping that up. Okay, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>